Ohio State finally has the blowout win fans have been waiting for. Does it tell us anything? Who will start at quarterback next? And oh boy, did we have some drama on the sidelines. All that and more coming up in this edition of the 11 Dubcast. I'm Andy Vance along with my BFF and co-host Johnny Ray Ginner. Johnny, you know, I have to be honest with you. I watched this game via the theater of the mind. I listened to <laughs> Paul Keels and Jim Lachey as they, uh, I was driving across the foothills of Colorado and into the plains of Kansas. So, so not having the benefit of watching the game live, but rather listening to it. I'm, I'm curious for your take as you watched the game, how did they look? How did you feel about this one? Well, I mean, they, they were obviously huge favorites already against Akron and that was actually I mean I didn't expect them to be able to cover uh just based on how they had looked defensively I mean I didn't think Akron was going to give them any kind of real issue but I definitely didn't think that Ohio State was going to be able to sustain an offense like they were able to on Saturday so you know you're you're got you're bringing in a guy who you know obviously does not have any kind of experience um in terms of like starting at the quarterback position you're dealing with a bunch of players out i think 16 or something was the number that you're looking at um you could say in a lot of respects like certain you know parts of the offense didn't have their best game but I think in general, it was a pretty thorough butt whooping and you wanted to see that as an Ohio State fan. So they looked, I think they looked good. They they gave Ohio State fans what you wanted to see. Uh, that doesn't mean it was without drama, but um, I think overall it was, it was pretty good performance by Ohio State. Yeah, I think you and I have been on the same page that our biggest concern, despite the concerns expressed by many of the Twitterati and uh, members of the 11 Warriors commenting community, the offense ain't the problem with this team no. <laughs> by, no. by any stretch of the imagination. And we'll get into uh, quarterback play coming up a little bit later in the program. It's starting with the defense. So, you know, Akron zips down the field, pun intended, and uh -huh. scores that first touchdown early. Were, were you at that point saying, oh, boy, here we go again? Like, were you at that point thinking another Tulsa <laughs> No, type? I mean, I didn't like, think it was going to be like. the game was ever in question, but yeah. another Tulsa type, you know, three quarters before things really get out of hand for the visitors. Right. No, I didn't think it was going to be, okay, we're going to the fourth quarter up one score. Ohio State's got to make sure they get points on this drive. I wasn't thinking that was going to happen. I did think that Akron was going to be able to sustain drives and maybe get mm -hmm. 350, 400 yards, something like that. Uh, but then the opposite happened, and Ohio State shut down a pretty crappy offense, which is what you're supposed to do when yeah. you have overwhelming talent. And so it worked out. The defensive secondary, I think, did a really good job. Um, uh, running game for Akron was stymied. They they did, again, what they needed to do. I just, you know, <laughs> I don't want to use this game as an excuse to go, okay, well, it's fixed. It's fine. We're good because you have no idea. Akron's a terrible team. And yes, you like to see that. You don't want to see Ohio State give up 400, 500 yards to inferior opponents. But I'm not exactly like sitting here going to crow about holding Blake Hester to 47 yards. I don't know who Blake Hester is. I'm just looking at the stat sheet. <laughs> Yeah. You know, like that's my point. It's 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 great. It's fine. But now we're getting into Big Ten season in earnest. And yeah, that's a good momentum builder. But I don't know that it tells you much. So we'll see what happens against the Rutgers. I mean, again, you know, even against Rutgers, I don't know what that tells you necessarily. But as you get into the meat of the Big Ten season, you're going to find a little bit more. Um, but I'm not putting anything down in, in ink when it comes to this defense uh, right now.
Hey, look, here's the here's the thing I think people have got to remember. Uh, when you compare Akron to Tulsa, okay, mm-hmm. Akron to Tulsa, and just using SP Plus as my favorite barometer for gauging these things, yeah. uh, Tulsa would be favored by 21 on, new, on a neutral <laughs> field over Akron, okay? So I just, I, th- I think... It tells I think, you something. I, I yeah. think it's important in everything we talk about tonight to have that caveat right. that that Tulsa would be a three touchdown favorite over Akron on a neutral field, according to SP plus. And that, that was, that was before Akron played Ohio state. So it, it could be even bigger than that. Now that was uh that was rankings after week three, y- you know, I, I looked at this game and, and said on the one hand, Hey, great reps for a lot of guys, right? Because as you mentioned, a lot of guys were out, sure. so you, you, but the things that you and I've talked about in recent weeks that, that are still going to bug us still saw a huge rotation on the defense, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of guys getting in and out. Well, this is the kind of game where you want to do that. So it's hard to, jump to conclusions uh as far as the things that you want to see fixed we saw lots more pressure gosh i think nine sacks this game like this is one of the maybe the four or five best games in school history in terms of sacks but there again you're talking about one of the five worst teams in the fbs according to sp plus so you would you would expect a defensive line like ohio states to get into the backfield and make the quarterback's life hell uh, for 60 minutes and and they did that you had a lot mm-hmm. uh, you know and some had not maybe not as many quarterback hurries as I expected but more sacks more tackles for loss uh, you know so that was good you did see some maybe uh, different get different scheme things in there I think uh, I think uh, Barnes went with quarters there to start the game if I'm recalling from uh, scheme master Kevin Jones's uh, Kyle Jones's comments so you know I, I, I like that maybe he's trying some things and that's what you would like to see happen maybe when you have a slate like Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers that, Hey, let's use these games to work out some of the kinks. Uh, but yeah, no question that this one comes with the asterisks of this is a game we would be used to seeing at high noon first weekend of the season. Oh, not, sure. Yeah. You know, this is an August game and night. Yeah, exactly. Right. right. Yeah. This is an August game front and back. Absolutely. Um, and you know, as you said, you do, there are some positives you can take away and things you go, okay, well, this is, this is still fun to watch. It's nice to know that you've got players that are capable of this. You mentioned the nine sacks. That was cool as hell. That was a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, you, you see a guy like Haskell Garrett, granted, you know, you can issue all the caveats you want. Three sacks in a game, pretty good. Pretty, pretty freaking good. All right. That's, that's fun to watch. Rascal. Yeah. And, you know, even a guy, you watch a guy like Steel Chambers come in, for example, right? A former running back and play pretty darn well in a new position that's that's fun stuff that's good to watch i enjoyed that quite a bit and you know they're figuring stuff out a lot of it's just reps i mean that's running back and just especially defensive back but linebackers included you really need reps and i don't know that this is necessarily the the cure that it's gonna you know fix everything that ails the defense but the more playing time that they can get uh, a, you're going to figure out who your starter is going to be. You're going to know exactly who can rely on certain situations. And B, they're going to be able to, to make those reads more quickly, not get confused by relatively simple concepts, stuff like that. So, you know, it's it's definitely it's something to build on. And uh, it's fun to watch because nine sacks are always cool. And there were some there were some really like devastating ones there, too. Plus, you know, guys like Jack Sawyer, right, you know, highly touted true. Friend, you get to see him kind of make his first big time impact on the game. That's that's cool to see. I enjoyed that quite a bit as well. Yeah, like uh, like Tyler Williams, there, huge game. Uh, yeah, all, all, he was also- great. He was great. Two sacks, I think four 
tackles for loss, something like that. That he was your uh, defensive player of the game there, uh, according to the coaches, which mm-hmm. you know, good for him uh, for a first year guy too. You love that. Uh, also, you thought this was pretty cool that uh, looking at third downs. You know, they got this team off the field, which is something that they've struggled to do in preceding weeks against admittedly much, 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 much better competition. Mm-hmm. But Akron converted five of 17. That's what you want to see is that you, you know, yep. get, 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 get your, get your defense off the field. Uh, don't let them, you know, keep them behind the chains as the cliche says. And they did that. So that, but I, I, I personally think that starts up front, getting that pass, pass rush going. Um, and, and they, and granted some of the earlier teams, you know, got the ball out too quickly, maybe to allow those guys. And, and we talked a lot about how Oregon just had a really great offensive line and they moved the ball so fast that maybe the pass rush didn't have a chance to, to develop like it would have, um, you know, against the team that wasn't moving the ball down the field as quickly, but that's when you're able to get that pressure and get them off schedule, then you can have that third down dominance and and win the field position game of course uh ohio state has had tremendous punting also um relative field position i'm i'm I'm, uh, pleased to see that little tradition hasn't uh hasn't disappeared any other other players let's shift over to the offensive side of the ball because uh you know maybe the biggest story of the game is not that the defense looked uh, serviceable against a a middling in state rival uh, but that we trotted out the fourth true freshman to start at quarterback in school history and Kyle McCord young man makes his debut uh, as CJ Stroud was resting up a bum shoulder for the week uh, <laughs> I love this Ohio State has had the freshman of the week every single week this season from the Big Ten weekly honors and it's been an Ohio State quarterback or Travion Henderson because of it's Stroud, Stroud, right. Henderson, McCord. Um, the kids might be all right, Johnny. The kids might be all right. Yeah, I think they're good. And and the thing is, is that like I appreciate, I think some people maybe wanted to see more of Travion and then, okay, well, we, we got to get this guy 500 yards rushing, whatever. I kind of like that they didn't get him a ton of action after the game was basically – not in doubt because as much as I run the tread off the tires. Well, yeah. And and, the season they're going to, and I know I said earlier, right. That you want to have reps for running backs. And I I definitely believe that, but I also think that this is a guy, you know, if CJ Stroud, they've said that his, uh, his shoulder looks a lot better and he should be good to go for next week. But you know, if that becomes a reoccurring problem, if you're worried about quarterback play in general, you need to rely on that dude late in the year and he's kind of established that he's in a group. He's fine. Um, so you want to you want to keep him healthy. You do not want to see a guy hurting himself, getting injured, you know, not doing what he needs to be doing against Akron. Um, you want to ride that that pony all the way to the you know the promised land. You're gonna you're gonna have to like do that in November, uh, not in late September. So I, you know, I obviously liked what I saw from him. I mean, the guy had almost a hundred yards on just eight carries. He looked fantastic mm-hmm. every time he touched the ball. Um, and then you were able to see a little bit out of master Teague who had a pretty good game as well. I mean, he had some really good carries uh, for a guy that I think has been maligned a lot uh, by Ohio state fans and by us occasionally. I think he had a really good game. Uh, Mayan Williams didn't, wasn't as maybe impactful, but overall the um, you know, the rushing game was really good. And Obviously, Henderson is the dude who is going to be, you know, the featured back going forward. But uh, you want you want to keep that guy healthy. But overall, like I said, you know, that's that's going to be what Ohio State relies on. If a guy like 
CJ Stroud is not feeling 100% or if Kyle McCord has to come in and he isn't quite as effective or Jack Miller or whoever else. Um, so I, I think they did what they needed to do and they still amassed well over 600 yards. So everything, it worked out pretty well. They did a and, good job. <laughs> and not for nothing. I mean, I'm one who, who I guess uh, subscribes to the philosophy that you establish that running game and it opens up a lot of opportunities for your quarterback to make oh, sure. things happen. So, you know, making that their bread and butter and knowing that they've got not, not one or two, but three backs who really can get the job done. Mm-hmm. They, they have different skill sets, different ceilings, you know, Henderson is your eye popping like Heisman trophy candidate type runner. He's just going to do amazing things. But Teague is that guy, you know, he's going to go out and get you four or five yards pretty much every time. You're not going to ask him to go find crazy cutbacks because he can't cut, but right. you know what? He can blow some dudes up. He, he, he's a workhorse. And I, and I kind of like this idea that, you know what, you bring Henderson out there early, soften him up and, and maybe break off some of those chunk plays that he's capable of doing. But then later in the contest, when you just need to grind him into the dirt, you know what, what Teague grind him into the dirt yeah. because I mean, you he, got two he, guys who can do that. Heck yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't think that's a terrible, I don't think that's a terrible approach at all. Um, knowing that you've got the horses to get the job done, you don't need to give a guy 40 carries a game. It just, you, right. don't, you don't need to do that. So Kyle McCord goes out there, slings the rock for 319 yards, most ever by an Ohio State quarterback in his first start. I feel like now we've had uh, twice this season where you've had a freshman quarterback coming out and, and just, you know, erasing the records for uh, first starts or, or freshman yardage or completions and so mm-hmm. on. Uh, thir- completed 13 of 18, one pick, not great. But he really, um, you know, got the job done. I mean, 319 yards on 13 completions. That's a, that's a pretty good stat line. Yeah. As I mentioned, the Big Ten Freshman of the Week honors. So, are, are we going to are we going to find ourselves as embroiled the rest of the season in QB Geddon 2.0? Now that you've you've seen what McCord's capable of, God knows. No. Uh, <laughs> God knows the fan base is you know the fan base was ready to pull that ripcord. Uh, uh, much earlier, didn't C.J. Stroud didn't doesn't get quite the uh, the the credit that uh, maybe he he deserves. But uh, are you are you reassured now that that regardless of what happens, they're going to have a good quarterback moving down moving down the field week after week? I mean, I think McCord. The numbers are actually I think better than maybe I would have expected, frankly, from what I saw because I. I don't think he's a bad quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. I don't think he'll go out there and embarrass Ohio State or anything like that. Uh, I will say that it's pretty obvious why C.J. Stroud is the starter. I think he's the more polished quarterback at this point between the two. And, and you know, Jack Miller came out and did some good things. But um, I, I got to tell you, man, I want C.J. Stroud to be the QB1 right now. And I don't think there's really a debate after Saturday. I think maybe, you know, some people will definitely favor one over the other, but uh, just based on how they manage the game, I know you're going to get overthrows and miss passes and all that kind of stuff from all these guys. So I just, I don't know. I, I want CJ Stroud to stay healthy because to me, he feels like the guy who's most equipped to kind of be that field general and, and, basically kind of command the game the way you know that Ryan Day wants it to be done. Um, Kyle McCord will eventually, I think, develop into a really great quarterback. But right now, I think he's just too raw, as are probably most of the other guys on the team, too. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely in on Stroud on this one. And I don't think there should be any kind of, you know, controversy or, you know, disagreement be, uh, about that. I, I think that's pretty. And I actually, you know, I was weekend editor. I put that up on the website. 
and asked people, you know, who should be Ohio State's quarterback going forward. I was a little surprised that Stroud won that poll as well as he did, especially coming off a game where, you know, you're literally just watching Kyle McCord throw for over 300 yards. And I think Stroud still won, uh, like, you know, something like like 40, 50% of the vote, you know, and the rest was split between uh, Miller and McCord and yours. So, yeah, um, I, I think it's interesting he, to me. I think also, I don't know who that dude is, is voting for yours. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> it was yours agent <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's it. like i don't but, know who goes out there and says all right well we're four games in the season let's you know we got to make this switch here we're going to go to the guy who has not thrown a single pass let's do that the uh the the thing about this uh, quarterback deal for me is uh i i agree with you wholeheartedly i think stroud got too much grief and not enough credit but i also think that i'm basing that comment um on the very vocal minority of people who get unduly worked up about these things on uh social media and and sports websites because i think that your poll question bears it out and actually there was uh i'm trying to remember which piece it was but one of the one of the pieces um you know about stroud in specific people were people were really um actually very complimentary of him despite the, the 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 crap that you read sometimes so i i agree with you and and hey not for nothing uh, when Ryan Day and his staff named their champions from the Akron game, neither Kyle McCord nor Jack Miller was among 17 champions listed. Yeah. So that, that tells you they did not think either man uh, uh, played a flawless game or even a relatively flawless game. And despite McCord getting that Big Ten Freshman of the Week honor, uh, Day said in his uh, meeting with the press on Monday that he's looking forward to a good full week of work with C.J. Stroud and said that Stroud is feeling much better after sitting out the Akron game. So, mm. you know, that to me, you know, makes it seem like <laughs> if he's ready to go, he'll be going. You know, I don't know. Do you think Rutgers necessitates having QB number one out there? Could Kyle McCord win you a game with Rutgers? Or do they need Stroud pulling the trigger uh, to get that done? I would, I would, I would try to get your best quarterback out there because you know, you're going to have a guy in Greg Shannon who's going to try to do everything he can to confuse the hell out of Ohio state's quarterback and do what he did against Michigan. I mean, Michigan won that game, but they were, you know, Rutgers was able to really successfully make that team completely one dimensional in the second half. And they almost blew it because of that. They could not adjust. They could not do the things that they normally wanted to do. And they had no answer for that. Uh, Michigan's a run first team and they couldn't run. And then they were like, well, that's it. That's all we got. So you want a team that can be as multiple as possible against Greg Schiano. And that means bringing in the quarterback. That's going to be, you know, the guy who can give you that best opportunity to do that. So yeah, I want Stroud in and uh, you know, Ohio state, in terms of talent can probably just still win the game with an effective running game. They don't have to have an elite passing game, I think to beat Rutgers, but you want to be able to have both. Um, so yeah, I, I would want Stroud in that position. Honestly, if he's healthy, he should go. I mean, Rutgers had a chance to win that game. They did. Michigan enters the game as a 20 point favorite. They're playing this in the big house, right? Mm-hmm. And it comes down to a one score game. I mean, Rutgers, Rutgers had the chance to tie that thing up and win it. Uh, you know, and here we've been hearing, and then I guess, you know, I've said, I'm a little slow to jump on the Michigan is back hype train because it is just September still very important to put the, put the caveat about September when it comes to Michigan doing good things. But I think there's been some legitimate uh, discussion about 
hey, Michigan's a much improved football team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, schematically, they seem to know what they're doing. Their execution's been very good. And then you come in here, you know, they they should have their way handily with Rutgers and Chiano. I, I don't know if you want to say yeah, Coach Harbaugh, and that was the the gist. I mean, I feel like that's. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that would be a fair way to put it. Yeah. So you know, does that a give you uh, more concern about facing Rutgers? And, and, or B, does that take some of the bloom off the rose that Michigan is back? Well, I think it's probably a little bit more of the latter than the former Michigan. They're always going to be held back by their coach. I mean, that's really the biggest problem. Like and they Harbaugh, don't, and they don't have the talent that Ohio state does either. I mean, no, they talked don't about that before they have not been recruiting at the same level Ohio state is. I, I would argue they've been recruiting more at the level Rutgers has been. Yeah, well, Rutgers, yeah, and Rutgers has obviously stepped up their game a little bit with They're Shano, improving but, quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, but what I would say, though, honestly, like if you watch the Michigan game against Rutgers, Michigan's, their their whole thing is they've got two good running backs. Mm-hmm. They've got Blake Corum, they got Asana Haskins. Haskins is the guy who's going to get you right up the middle, right? He's the up-the-gut guy who's going to get you four or five yards a pop. He's very reliable. You know what you're going to get with him. And then Quorum's the dude that's kind of the lightning part of it where he's, you know, he could go off for 80, 90 yards every time he touches the ball. And in the second half, I think they got intimidated, maybe a little bit what was Rutgers was doing on defense. They didn't try any of the bash concepts. They didn't try any of the sweeps. They didn't try to, you know, get guys out into space. They were like, we're just going to keep running our head against this wall and hope that we can eventually break through. And it was stupid. Like they were having pretty good success in the first half. They weren't having great success, but they were pretty good at success in the first half. And then they decided they just weren't going to make any adjustments whatsoever and kind of just play exactly into what Rutgers wanted them to do. So I don't think, I don't think Ryan day is that dumb. I think he's much smarter than that. Um, So that that's definitely a huge advantage there uh, against Rutgers um, that, you know, Ohio state has, you have a, you have a quarterback, excuse me, you have a coach, that knows how to put his players in advantageous situations to get them yards and points. Um, whereas I don't think you have that at Michigan. Um, again, they've got a good, they've got a good plan. They just, they keep tripping over themselves in past years. And uh, you saw that in the second half, finally uh, against Rutgers with Michigan. So yeah, I, you know, Michigan, they're, they're going to play Wisconsin next week. Um you know, a lot of shines off that particular rose. You know what I mean? Like Wisconsin, I think sitting at one and two at this point, something like that. Not a good team. Um, so that that's not really quite the matchup that people had expected. But uh, right. it'll be interesting. It'll be really interesting going forward. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm curious to see. You know how this Big Ten schedule plays out, just in mm-hmm. general. Because it was looking, you know, like, hey, the East could be really pretty tough. Right. Uh, preseason, you know, Indiana was was pretty hype. Yet Michigan people are still buying into uh, to the Michigan hype. I listened to some guys uh, on, I think it was Fox Sports Radio, as I was driving across Kansas, and some of the late night guys were, you know, talking like Penn State's one of the four best teams in the country. Put them mm-hmm. in the playoff, that sort of thing. I'm not there yet myself personally, no. but uh, agree, you know, that they're they're certainly good. And, and, you know, then I, I watched this Big Ten slate. Uh, you know, we, we were talking a few weeks ago that Minnesota was maybe better than uh, people were giving them credit for it. No, uh, turns out they were not actually Mm-mm. better than we gave them credit for. Bowling Green did the deal. Did you foresee the Falcons <laughs> sinking the boat? No. Well, I <laughs> no. The answer is no. I mean, Bowling Green, bad, real bad. And, and Minnesota was heavily favored. I 
31 point underdogs yeah that's that's just completely bonkers you know minnesota has been super up and down people really like pj fleck and i wanted to really like pj fleck they had that 11 win season i'm like all right well damn that's gonna be fun i enjoy a good minnesota team but that's really been his only you know like really good year at minnesota i don't think there's been any other year where he's won more than seven games and the five years that he's been there so you know I want PJ Fleck to be successful. I want Minnesota to be successful, but it feels like there's so many teams, as you mentioned, like in the big 10, you've got a set of teams that people hype up. They're like, okay, they're going to take that next step. And then they just don't. Um, And right now you're looking at, okay, well, we've got two big 10 teams in the top five, right? That's pretty awesome. Penn state and Iowa. I don't know that anyone believes maybe Penn state, I guess people want to believe in. Do you believe in Iowa? Cause I I don't, I I mean, Penn's here. Here's my struggle. Penn state, you know, I would say has been there at least in the concept of they've been top 10 yeah, more than once in the player's lifetimes. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so that's uh, uh, unlike the Michigan is back hype where it's like, guys, they've not been relevant in the lifetimes of any FBS college mm-hmm. players. Penn State at least has been. They've been in the conversation uh, and, and have proven on the field that they can give Ohio State a ball game. Michigan hasn't. Um, so, so Penn State... What you, I will say when I'm driving across there and this guy says, yeah, my number 14 would be Penn State. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> are, we, are, we, are we really? Oh, oh okay. Now I'll, I'll be fair to Penn State and say I have not watched a truckload of film on them. So maybe they're better than I'm giving them credit for. Um, Iowa. So, you know, I mean, who've the, they, that, who have they beaten? Right. Like you've that, got Iowa my, State. That's my challenge. Right. You've got Iowa, Iowa State, State who isn't as good as we thought they were. Correct. And then you've got what? Anybody else? Like, it, it, you know, Indiana, I guess, but Indiana's is in the same boat. Who isn't as good as we thought that? Yeah, right. exactly right. Yeah. And so, so and, I, and what's funny is, is that, okay, so both of these teams, I, again, I'm not saying they're necessarily bad. I'm just saying I have a hard time believing them, but you've got both of these teams are going to be playing each other in a couple of weeks. One of them is going to be really, really set up nicely for some kind of playoff contention, which is really hilarious to me because, you know, if you get to a big 10 championship or Penn state takes out Ohio state, like this might be honestly a really high stakes matchup between two teams. I don't particularly believe in. And it's, I don't know. It's wild to me to see that a so early in the season and B not have Ohio state be part of that conversation. Um, because you would say, okay, well, if there's two teams in the big 10, it's gonna be Ohio state and whoever else probably Wisconsin. And we're not going to be having that conversation. It ain't going to be Wisconsin. Right. Exactly. It's going to be who's who belongs in the top three in the country, Iowa or Penn state. And that is a wild conversation to me. That is not one that I would have expected at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and I, kind of, and, and I kind of dig it, you know, there's because because either way that goes on the one hand, I say, all right, well, so then, you know, let's let's see. Let's see Penn State as a top four team. That's great, because then when mm-hmm. Ohio State beats them and in, in that matchup, you know, happy day. Ohio State's got a huge win on its resume and it needs one after losing to Oregon. That was its you know, that was going to be its signature win. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so now then on the other hand, Iowa wins and let's say they go to the Big Ten championship and and it's you you foresee a replay of the last how many big 10 championships because iowa and wisconsin are fungible commodities to me so you you know that's that's kind of how i look at that i i do think it's interesting hearing just sort of the national narrative this isn't just specific to 
Ohio State kind of being an afterthought right now because they're on the outside looking in top 10 wise. Uh, but, but, you know, they're not the only great team uh, of recent years that falls in that boat. You know, Clemson has totally imploded. Um, yeah. They're, they're not going to be in the playoffs this year unless a lot of really weird things happen that I don't foresee happening. Um, yeah. you know, Oklahoma, you know, they're undefeated, but haven't looked super impressive. They were a field goal away from losing to, uh, West Virginia. Um, you know, so that, that's another team that gets hyped up quite a lot that I don't think people are buying into as heavily this year. So the only teams that I think people are really singing the praises of and, and are totally sold on are probably Alabama and Georgia. Um, yeah. you know, Oregon, I think people are starting to give credit thanks to their win over Ohio state, but they're not going to get the same attention that those SEC teams are going to get because they aren't going to play the same schedule. They're not going to play these, you know, Arkansas is being hyped as a top five team because of what, what they've done out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, this is just a really interesting year for me uh, at this stage, at least nationally, but this, this all could change very rapidly between now and the time the first playoff rankings come out because uh, we've already seen some crazy stuff happen and it's college football. So, you know, some of these teams are going to play each other and knock each other out. And the well, some of the, turn. what's interesting to me is that you have some of these teams who, as you, as you just said, they're, they're going to play each other, knock each other out. Right. You've got, you've got games against like Iowa, Penn state coming up. Notre Dame's going to play Cincinnati here pretty soon. Um, but then you have some teams where they've got basically one hurdle to get over and that's it. They're mm-hmm. good. They can basically yep. coast. And that that's what's so wild about this and this is kind of tangentially related but i know that there was a lot of you know consternation about whether or not there would be playoff expansion or not or you know how it should work out or whatever if this isn't to me an argument for playoff expansion i don't know what is because you're not you don't know you don't know anything about these teams and the idea that you can at some arbitrary point in the middle of the season start to just like rank them against each other to me just it doesn't make sense uh there there's just so much unknown about all of these teams top to bottom i don't i mean shoot oregon as you you know oregon's a third ranked team in the country based on what right like ohio state clearly isn't really at that point especially a resume builder um, so I just, you know, throwing out names like Arkansas, which again is fun, but you don't know anything about these teams yet. And it, it's funny to me that we're going to establish so much about the playoff narrative in late September, early October. Um, and then there are some teams who won't be challenged at all until the middle of November. And then that's it. That's essentially their only hurdle that they have to get over. And then they've established their bona fide. So it's just, to me, you have to have an expanded playoff because this just is proof positive to me that, that you don't know anything about these teams outside of, like you said, Alabama and maybe Georgia. And, and the thing that's crazy about that is it is as excited as I think we've all been for an expanded playoff. It, it, it sounds like some of the stuff that I think we thought was, uh, inevitable in a way it's now, now it's, now it's like, is that really going to happen? You know, it seems right. like the train has slowed down on some of this, uh, thanks in no small part to the SEC realignment deal and, mm-hmm. and all, all the things that have happened since then. Uh, I'm, I'm really uh, kind of concerned is the wrong word, but um, I'm not as hopeful as I was, uh, you know, six weeks ago about expansion happening sooner rather than later, unfortunately. But I agree with you. It's, I mean, it's something that, needs to happen for i think the 
the betterment of uh of the sport in general yeah and hopefully they they kind of come to their senses and get that done because i want to see i want to see these big matchups i want to see these teams play each other and uh more of that is is fun that's 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 basically it you know what i mean like that's i want to see more of that happen on a regular basis and playoffs one way to get that done so um but it's it's you know it who knows maybe michigan wins out and then we're having a different conversation there's all kinds of variables here uh and one of the things i will say that has disappointed me at times in college football is where you you build up these giant upsets and you hope that teams are going to kind of like cause chaos and the chaos doesn't actually happen. Uh, you did have a little bit of it last weekend, right? When Clemson went down, that was fun as hell, but I want to see more of that too. I want to see more of those wild upsets and that shakes everything up. Uh, speaking of things that are kind of wild, we saw a wild one in the Akron game over the weekend uh, Kevon Pope was not happy <laughs> yeah. with his playing time. And this is one of those things I, I feel like was sort of bubbling, bubbling up all season long. We'd seen some things on social media and uh, people talking about the fact that he hadn't seen the field yet. And um, well, since you were watching the game, <laughs> I'll mm-hmm. let you describe what, what happened and uh, you know, what you were thinking as the story sort of unfolded in real time. So you didn't really, as you're watching, I don't think you really saw much of it actually, you know, play out on TV, but you know, you're following social media, you're watching what's going on on Twitter and what people are talking about. And, you know, apparently Pope and Al Washington kind of got into it. Um, Pope ends up throwing his gloves into the stands, starts storming off towards the locker room. He's accompanied by someone that gets him there. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just a big blow up. And then he gets into the locker room and he starts tweeting about, you know, how much he does not care for the university of, you know, Ohio state university, the university, which uh, has, you know, kept him there. Um, He basically wishes his teammates all the best. He's quitting. And that's essentially what he does. He's out. He entered the transferred portal. Um, Ohio state uh, said he's off the team. They'll continue to support him to the end of the semester with his scholarship and whatnot, which is the right thing to do. And I think Pope, you know, he kind of apologized and said that he just the, let his emotions get the better of him and that he, um, you know, was going to work on himself and that didn't reflect how he really is. And that's, I think that was, you know what, he gains nothing by apologizing, honestly, except maybe like appealing more to a team and a transfer portal or something, but he would get a good transfer anyway. I don't think he has to worry about that. So I, I appreciate the fact that he apologized. I think that's sincere. And, uh, you know, it's, it's unusual because I don't think I've ever seen something like that where a guy in the middle of the game has basically just quit the team. <laughs> uh, it's crazy, but, it, you know, I don't necessarily feel bad for him. He's been on the team for, I think, what, four years now? And uh, that's plenty of time to solidify your position. And I think maybe at a certain point you kind of have to be self-reflective and kind of be like, look, if I'm getting beat out by all these guys over a course of several years, maybe the issue isn't with the coaches or, you know, my teammates or something like that. Maybe I'm just not that good. And sometimes that's a hard thing, I think, for people to come to a realization too. Yeah. And so he was, you know, effectively dismissed from the team and entered the transfer portal. Uh, I think that one of the things that, you know, kind of gets me and, and I agree with you good on him for, the apology, you know, didn't have to do that. It's a good look that he did. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seemed like he had a lot of support from his teammates. So he must have been yeah, well enough liked because you saw a lot of positive messages on Twitter from uh, members of the team. So so clearly there was some some affinity there. 
you know, and it's one of the things that's very interesting about this modern game of college football with the advent of the transfer portal, um, less restrictive transfer rules in general. You know, we kind of talk about it being free agency. I think this is dual-edged sword for players. On one hand, you know, good for you. You can go out there and and go find somewhere else that's a better fit for you for whatever reason, if that's playing time, if that's being closer to home, if that's you need to change the scenery, you know, whatever. I think the flip side of that is, is, is you've got to, it's incumbent on you to go out there and, and make it happen on the field. Because yeah. if you don't, there is no incentive uh, for a coach to wait around for you to put it together in year three or four anymore. The, the younger players are playing younger. We just talked a great deal about Kyle McCord and Travion Henderson coming in as true freshmen and, and playing lights out. So there's going to be younger players coming in who are every bit as talented or maybe more talented than you are. Uh, you, you know, so the idea that you're going to have this, um, this three or four years where you can learn and grow and, and build into the position, and eventually it will just be your turn, the way we used to do this with, with seniority and upperclassmen and so on. I mean, that's just not a thing anymore, right? I right. mean, yeah, maybe in some positions where the experience and, and time in the weight room and so on really makes a difference. Maybe maybe that's more the case with, oh, will say, offensive line positions or something, but but not real. I mean, you've had certainly enough underclassmen come in and establish themselves early at that position even. So you've got to go out there and get it done. And if you don't, you, you know, you can't be pissed when you're a senior and somebody else gets your playing time. Right. I, I get in this case, you know, it probably does grind your gears when you're seeing uh, guys come over from the offensive side of the ball and mm-hmm. take, and, you know, you got a former running back getting reps in Steel Chambers. You got Demario McCall, and that doesn't matter to Pope here. Obviously, we're talking about in the secondary with, uh, with McCall, but, you know, <laughs> when you see your coaches actively recruiting uh, for your position within the team on the other side of the ball, eh, maybe that does hurt a little bit, but <laughs> I'm, I, I'm with you, you know, that 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 isn't their fault you know either do the deal put up or shut up or um you know move up or move out to borrow a phrase from from business and so our guy here is going to move out i my one one of the things i'm really digging past the specifics of of pope the pope incident you've got now two upperclassmen linebackers out of the program in the span of what a week uh, yeah, basically Camp leaving the program and, and these granted were guys who were not getting much playing time, but does this say anything to you a about the, how, how poorly Ohio state has apparently recruited at the linebacker position, or does it give you any concerns about um, the coaching of the linebacking unit? Cause that that's the unit on the field uh, defensively that maybe gives me the most heartburn. I'm not worried about the defensive line. I've actually been quite impressed with the defensive secondary relative to my expectations this season Mm -hmm. because I I thought they were the weak link. And, you know, we've had some very nice developments um, from the cornerbacks in particular. How, how, what DEFCON should I be at here about this (laughs) linebacking room in general, both talent and coaching? Yeah, I, I think maybe coaching is definitely something to take a look at. And Al Washington maybe has avoided uh, some of the scrutiny that other coaches have gotten. Um, but I, I agree with you that it's it's they haven't been a strength as a unit. I, I think you've seen individual players who have played very well, but they haven't been a strength as an entire unit and uh, in, in a little bit now and in, in a few seasons. And so that's that's a legitimate question to ask. Like, why is that the case? How are players being developed you're bringing in some pretty darn good recruits. Why haven't, you know, a lot of them panned out. So that's, 
that's something to maybe be concerned about. You will, you know, when you're bringing in running backs to play linebacker or whatever, that's, that's maybe a sign that the talent development is maybe not up to where you would want it to be. Um, and, you know, one thing that might be a thing to keep an eye on is to see who they're bringing in in future recruiting classes and, and kind of how they develop and how soon they play. Um, because maybe they are just simply looking for the right guys as opposed to trying to develop the ones that they already have. And if you're Pope, you know, you're sitting around, you're going, well, <laughs> this situation isn't going to get any better. Uh, I'm not getting any playing time. We're several games in the season. And then I guess that's where the frustration, you know, bubbles over. Obviously didn't handle it the way you should have, but as a player, I think you can understand the frustration where it feels like, okay, the unit's not a strength. We're trotting out guys who maybe aren't that great. I don't think I'm that terrible. So why can't I get a shot? And that's, you know, like I said, I'm not excusing anything that he did. I think that was obviously completely inappropriate. You don't do it. You don't do it at all, you know, the way he did it on Twitter. And you especially don't do it during a game, you know, and act as a distraction to your team and, and mess things up that way either. Uh, but I, I could, from a certain perspective, I can understand it. Uh, it's got to be frustrating for both the players on the team. And, you know, as fans, you're watching, you're, you're confused. You want to see them perform better than what you've expected. And especially if you're an Ohio State fan and you're used to some of the best linebacking play in the history of college football over the years, um, you want to see them return to that. So hopefully they do. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not hopeful that it gets turned around anytime soon, but, but I, that's, that's definitely where my concern lies at this point. All right, let's, um, let's move on to another player who, uh, is no longer with the team, mm-hmm. uh, but has been lighting it up. Jamison Williams transferred away from Ohio oh, state because he was going to be what, maybe the fourth or fifth receiver in the rotation this year. And he is suddenly like the greatest kick returner in history, apparently <laughs> down there at Alabama. Uh, is Nick Saban just that good at an Ohio state? Let one get away. They shouldn't have. Uh, I, I mean, I think you've got plenty of wide receiving talent. I don't think that Ohio state, you know, made some kind of mistake, not giving him, you know, all the reps in the world and all the, you know, all the opportunities in the world. I, I think that he made the right choice for himself, but Nick Saban's just that good. I mean, they can develop players like nobody else. And, you know, he's obviously an incredibly talented player and was always going to show that, but uh, it's people really have to understand just how freaking blindingly good Nick Saban is at his job and how amazingly good his, you know, assistant coaches are at their jobs. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a big part of it. And they figured out a way to get him to kind of maximize potential and like, you know, two kickoff returns or a touchdown in a single game is just completely bonkers. And he's been a great ride receiver for him too. It hasn't just been the kickoff game. I mean, he's, he's done everything. Yeah. I had so. to reread this paragraph through, through the tides. First four games, Williamson leads them in receiving yards with 299 on just a dozen catches, <laughs> uh, leading kick returner, 228 yards on five kick returns. Oh, oh my God. God. Uh, and, and he leads all-purpose yards with 527. He already has more receiving yards in Alabama than he did in two seasons at Ohio State. Yeah. That's not uh, him suddenly being great. That's Alabama being really, really, really good at what they do. Well, and I don't think anybody w- thought he was a terrible player here or anything like that. But when you have arguably the two best wide receivers in the country in, in Chris Olave and, and Garrett Wilson yeah. uh, you know, ahead of you on the two deep, you, you know, 
you, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, and, um, he, and he, to his credit, he made the exact correct choice. <laughs> and, and and I think and I think in this case, like this is one of those. I had to think about how I felt about this. Not yeah. that my feelings matter, but I, but as a fan of the sport, you know, how, okay, how do I feel about uh, a cat leaving a team that I have uh, warm and fuzzy feelings for and going to to another team and doing well? one it's Alabama. So Mm -hmm. I don't get mad about anything Alabama does because I have nothing but mad respect for Nick Saban and what he's done there. Um, unlike, you know, say Clemson and Davos when where I want, um, nothing good and everything bad for them. So, so that, that checks the box there. And, you know, like you say, I, I think he made the right decision. Happy for him. Go do your thing, you know? Yay. And, And my impression is that Ohio state fans generally have adopted that same much as they did for Joe Burrow um, going and becoming, you know, just uh, lights out good at LSU. Mm-hmm. I feel like Ohio state fans are generally very happy for Jameson. Is that, is that your take as well? Yeah, I think so too. I mean, that's, I mean, yeah, absolutely. The thing is, here's the other thing. And I found this when I was, uh, you know, doing the social media, social reacts stuff, uh, players are really hyped about when they get to see his uh you know his highlights on Twitter. you know what i mean like yeah. they'll they'll put up all the crazy stuff that he does and like yeah that's fire and they'll put all you know go jam and all that stuff so uh, that's cool to see that's a lot of fun I yeah there again had good had had good relationship with his teammates so yeah. yeah like that all right let's finish up here before we get to ask us anything with with uh, rutgers we alluded to this earlier um in in the podcast that Greg Schiano will be schemed up and, and ready to make things difficult for CJ Stroud or whomever starts at, at quarterback. Mm-hmm. I personally think Greg Schiano is a fantastic coach and think that he is the perfect coach for Rutgers. Uh, nobody before or after Schiano <laughs> did worth a damn at Rutgers and he's got them right back. Uh, I think in their, their best, um, best start since like 2012 or something along those lines, which is probably the last time he was there. So 17 point favorites, we said Michigan was a 20 point favorite. So, uh, between Rutgers looking pretty good at Michigan, relatively speaking, and Ohio state may be looking less good versus, uh, Oregon and Tulsa and Akron, not really being all that relevant lines, a little narrower than, than it might've been. Otherwise, did they get the line, right? How do you feel about Ohio state as a 17 point favorite on the road in New Jersey? I think that's probably okay. The road stuff bothers me a little bit, but not a ton. I think maybe 15 to 17 is probably appropriate, honestly, because I really do think that, you know, this is the kind of game where Greg Shannon is just going to throw the absolute kitchen sink at, uh, at CJ Stroud or whoever ends up being the quarterback, probably Stroud. And I don't know that that could cause some issues. I still think Ohio state wins relatively comfortably, but, um, yeah, 15, 17 points is probably okay. I would be cool with that. All right. No Rutgers opponent has scored more than 20 points this season. That's wild. Um, and everyone other than Michigan was less than 14. So they're averaging 13 and a half points a game. Uh, third best scoring defense in the Big Ten, seventh best scoring defense in the country. So how many points does how many points does Ohio State have to get to win it? Uh, and can they do it against that team? I'm really impressed with the defense. It'll be, it'll be good to see can Ohio state's offense, which, which, you know, we've been relatively um, high on all season long. Can they, can they crack that nut? Um, Mm -hmm. Because, because that may be one of the best defenses, at least in terms of 
scheme coaching execution. That may be one of the best defenses they face all year until they get to the playoffs. Oh, sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think they're going to get more than 20. I think that's something that they'll be able to do, but um, it will be more of a struggle maybe than Ohio state fans are expecting, because I think a lot of people may hear Rutgers and go, okay, well, we'll put up 60 points. Um, but as you mentioned, I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be the case. I think they're going to, they're going to have to work for those, those points and, you know, 35, that that's something I would expect, but, uh, I don't see them, you know, dropping 60, <laughs> like, you know, against like they did against Akron. I don't see that happen. Now the flip side of the coin is that this might be a good opportunity for Ohio state's defense to get some confidence against big 10 opponents because oh, sure. in their two power five games this season, uh, week two versus Rutgers. And then the aforementioned Mich- Michigan matchup, uh, Rutgers has scored just 30 total points. Mm-hmm. Um, Syracuse held Rutgers to 195 yards of total offense, which just boggles the mind. The Rutgers still won that game, but yeah, 195 yards of total offense. Michigan held Rutgers, as I mentioned, to just three points in the first half before the Scarlet Knights got 13. Um, and it was 352 yards of total offense, so that's not terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, it's not like Rutgers is out there lighting guys up. So maybe this is the the chance for Ohio State's defense to say, hey, wait a minute, we can we can beat teams other than Akron and and do it convincingly. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, Rutgers had some success against Michigan by doing um some unusual things. They they tried to get their quarterback out and then have him run a little bit. Uh, they will, I think, similarly try to do some, you know, some goofy things. They'll do a lot of motion and a lot of, you know, misdirection and whatnot to try to keep Ohio State off balance. But you're right. This is another game that they can kind of build on. And hopefully Ohio State can shut them down just as well as they did Akron. Um, but, you know, anything goes with Greg Shiano. I, I really, you know, this is <laughs> there's no reason for him not to roll the dice on every single play mm-hmm. because you gain, you know, you gain nothing by being conservative in his position against Ohio state. They're not a team that's out there trying to win the big 10 at this point, they can make a statement. And if they can make a statement in Piscataway, uh, they're going to do it. So I, I expect them to just to go absolutely crazy with leave, what they're doing offensively and defensively. Leave nothing on the field, you know, you got to go yeah. for it. Right. Okay. So it is time now for ask us anything. My favorite part of the show and yours a good time to remind you that the 11 dub cast is sponsored by the dry goods store at 11 warriors.com. Hats, T-shirts, stickers, all the finest for the discerning fan of Ohio State University sports and sports in general. Drygoods.11warriors.com, and and uh, as I, I always forget to do, and you you always uh, remind us that you can submit your questions to ask us anything uh, by emailing dubcast at 11warriors.com or hitting us up on the uh, Twitter, twitter.com. You can either find uh, Johnny, myself, or the dubcast uh, handle via Twitter. You should follow all three if you aren't already doing so. Johnny, what do you got in the mailbag this week? All right. So this first one here, this is from Matt in Minneapolis, who also sent me a really excellent uh, picture here of a chaotic neutral like hoodie, which I really appreciate because I feel like that is really that is that is very much my lot in life is, is chaotic. You're, you're the chaotic neutral. I'm very much chaotic neutral. Um, Where do I fall on that weird little grid? Do you suppose? I don't know. I th- you're, I mean, you're definitely a lawful good guy. I mean, I oh, you, know. you, you say that to make me feel good about. Yeah, myself. I think you're definitely a lawful good. <laughs> I will say, I you know, I don't know. 
neutral good i don't know i don't know chaotic neutral in some things lawful good in other things maybe let's see a lawful good character asks acts as a good person is expected or required to act he combines a commitment to oppose evil with the discipline to fight relentlessly i don't know about the discipline thing but no. yes i yes very much want to yeah. want to fight evil so okay all right well i'll take it lawful good it is <laughs> yeah i think that's good um so matt uh has a question here this is for us and the dry goods store product designers aka us when we're we're bored uh why is there not a king of september shirt featuring a picture of harbaugh and a cartoonish <laughs> crown as we often see in the threat level piece that's actually that is a pretty good idea we need to do some kind of like you know king of the castle king we need to do some kind of uh you know king has no clothes thing that might actually yeah there be you go geez, yeah there you go i was um, at, I, I, I gotta tell you this so speaking of uh uh harbaugh dry good stuff so i was at a, a dog show in colorado over the weekend and um uh, a fellow ohio state fan was there and they had their devil wears khakis t-shirt and i was like that's pretty great so nice know, another fine shirt that you can pick up at the dry goods store and this is from uh, Kieran's son. He says, I love playing football, but the program I play for uses the helmet for that team up north. No. Oh, yeah. I, I'm still a fifth grader, but what can I do to convince the high school team to change their helmet? That is a great question. I appreciate that quite a bit. Um, it's a classic helmet. That's the problem. People really think it's a cool helmet and it is a cool helmet, but I understand that you don't want to. I mean, that's not acceptable, right? Like that's not something you could wear. Uh, so what I would do is, is one of two things. First of all, I would try to start some kind of like grassroots campaign where you find some kind of like historically or culturally relevant logo from where you're at. So if like where you're living, I don't know, maybe somebody kept a chicken in their backyard and then took it to the football game or something. It's like, okay, well, we got to put a chicken on the helmet instead. Or if there's some kind of like crazy thing that you can come up with that they can just relate to and like make it a, you know, a, a, school pride thing that's what i would go go for alternatively if they don't listen to you and they're like ah you're a fifth grader and eh, we don't to listen to this kid then just pretend it's for what the delaware blue hens and it's not the team up north how about that you, you can just pretend it's not that this is uh this is one of those things i've always struggled with because when i when i was uh, you know a kid and playing like middle school football high school football everybody around us in, in our particular conference you know their their uniforms were either generic enough or or I, I guess original enough however you want to look at it that you didn't associate them with you know collegiate programs or professional mm -hmm. programs it wasn't until i really started traveling more that i realized that oh there are schools out there that and then you think about it and you're like okay how many original ideas for uniforms are there out there really everybody's uniform is going right. to look like somebody's somewhere uh, so it really, you know, used to bother me. You'd see, oh, that uniform looks like, I think I saw somebody one time that their high school uniform looks like the, the Rams uniform or something like that. And you, you're like, oh, that, you know, that's, that's terrible. They're ripping that off. And then you come back and say, no, you know what? Maybe that is kind of cool. If you're, you know, middle schooler and you feel like you're playing in a, a college or professional uniform. Uh, I do think for Ohio kids, <laughs> you know, wearing that helmet, I'm with you 100%. It's iconic. Uh, I got to give them snaps for for having a clean kit usually, and their fight song is objectively very good, which pisses me off. Um, <laughs> that 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 tune. Uh, I'm not saying it's better than ours. I think we have the best fight song in the in the history of the sport, but you know it it does bother me that they have nice things. <laughs> but, but maybe but maybe that's what makes the rivalry worth having is that they're not uh, you know 
bad and terrible at every single thing and their song sucks and right. their colors are bad and they're so like we act that way but would they really be worthy rivals if they were just trash 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 right exactly uh, you know so not to get too esoteric about the whole thing it did really it really flipped my wit- lid i can't remember which school it was but i went to like a high school football go one game one time and they started playing their fight song and it was you know across the field or uh, mm-hmm. or or fight the team or something you know as it, it was one of ohio state songs I'm like wait a minute you can't but then i remembered wait my high school fight song was on wisconsin so yeah ours was our you know i went to a catholic <laughs> high school right so of course we did notre dame's fight song, yeah you right? got, like yeah you gotta do that yeah yeah and that's just that's just how it goes it's that's part of the deal unfortunately and i guess the local high school there chose michigan which is incredibly unfortunate um so this next one here this is from our good friend alvin who wants to know simply if you were to write a book, what would it be about? I, for years, because I love writing, and and even as a as a kid, uh, always assu- always assumed I would write a novel someday. I mm-hmm. wanted, and and now having been a writer, either you know professionally or as a as a uh, a hobby, um, you know, the, the passion sideline kind of deal, for more than a decade of my career. Um, I, I'm not a terrible writer, you know, it's something I can do, but I think if I were going to do it now, it would have to be nonfiction. I, I, I don't know. I oh, yeah, think there's I, no I, way in hell I could write fiction. I can't. Well, and, and that's always what I thought I would though. Like I always thought yeah. I would write and not like I wanted to, I love great stories. Uh, I read a truckload of novels of multiple different genres mm-hmm. and, and really enjoy it. But I think there's, I, I think there's something to be said for like, that really takes, a special kind of creativity and and while i think i'm a creative person in general i don't know that i have that kind of creativity so it had to be something non-fiction and probably probably would be something um you know either in kind of the food and agriculture space since that's where my where my career is maybe maybe something business leadership wise i don't know could, could write a book about sales or maybe you know there was a time here um our our friend uh, our friend Remy Matt uh, who is sort of the unofficial statistician historian for the site he and I some years ago and he still does it but we started doing a series uh, count doing the countdown to the series this is before I was ever writing for the site at all but we were doing it on uh, the message boards the blogs kind of counting down the last hundred days to the first game of the season and doing the deal where you write about whatever player you know had that day's jersey number so day 45 right. you wrote about archie griffin kind of thing and i really enjoyed looking up the history of that uh, and and uh, i had this idea for a book that that remy and i should go out and write um you know 11 warriors and the book would be uh, about the 11 most important men in the history of ohio state football oh nice that'd be cool yeah so maybe i better hurry up and trade and we would now, sue your asses for copyright no no, no, no. we'd sell it on the dry goods store oh okay well that's fine no that's fine. yeah no no come as long on, as, as, long as uncle johnny gets a cut give of me, that action give me some credit here i'm a team player um <laughs> or or the other one i was I, I was thinking of was you know was doing kind of the big coffee table book and maybe jack park's already done this and i'm stealing his idea without knowing it um but doing the big coffee table book where you do you know uh you go you know ohio state by the numbers and it's right. and you go through you know, from zero to 99, you know, players that had those, those numbers and, and kind of writing about writing some of those stories. Um, yeah. So I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll do that one of these days. Yeah. What about you? Um, so I've thought about this. You're going to write I, a parenting you know, manual, right? No, hell no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, God, no. Um, 
I, so my degrees in history and I didn't get a lot of opportunities as an undergrad to do the kind of historiographical like research and, and study that I really enjoy. I mean, it was, it was more kind of like, you know, to study based as opposed to writing based. I mean, you do take a couple writing classes as an undergrad um, to kind of prove that you can graduate, but it, it didn't get as in depth as I really would have liked. Um, and so I thought about like, okay, well, if I'm going to do that, what would I want to write a history of? And, you know, one of the things that I, has always fascinated me is the, you know, I mentioned this a lot, but obviously I'm a teacher and I am really endlessly fascinated on early childhood education throughout time and what that looked like over different periods. Obviously, the further back you go, the more of, you know, an elitist kind of thing it becomes, right? Like you're not sending every kid to, to school 2000 years ago. But what did it look like when it did happen? Even when it was just nobility, right? What was yeah. the curriculum? Who developed it? What kind of people were teaching? That kind of stuff. That, that stuff is really fascinating to me because I think it tells a lot about a society. And also the history of children in general is just something that's really difficult to get a beat on because didn't write anything right they weren't they weren't considered to even be real full-fledged people uh you know up to a certain point so uh, people didn't write their histories they didn't keep their stories and they didn't have an opportunity to tell them themselves so that's something that i think i would be interested in writing about um and then the other thing that i was thinking about this is just a really weird thing that i do sometimes but i love google maps and google earth and i like looking on the map uh, for really remote places. So like in Siberia, the Sahara, you know, the very tip of Cape Horn, whatever, and looking at gyms <laughs> where, so in, in sparsely populated places that are really remote, how do people exercise, right? How do they work out? What do gyms look like in places that are really remote? And I would love to do like a travel log book where I write about gyms in like, you know, Fiji or Greenland or wherever, because I, that is just endlessly fascinating to me how, because if you think about it, like gyms require a lot of really heavy equipment, right? Yeah. It, they require a lot of space. It's not something that it, it's a luxury. It's not something that people can just have. They have to create it. Um, and I would be very curious to see how it's created, especially in places that maybe have, have difficulty getting those things around the world. I would like to kind of do a travel log like that. That'd be really I love cool. that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Sign those are up. ask us anything questions for this week. Thank you very much for sending those in and we'll keep answering them. Yeah. Great, great questions. And a, uh, a great set of topics all the way around Ohio state rolls on, as we mentioned, we'll face, we'll face Rutgers uh, Saturday on the road in Pascataway. I believe this one kicks at three 30, uh, local time and yep. Three 30, uh, from the pronounced she stadium, shy stadium, she stadium. I don't know. In Piscataway, uh, Rutgers is the one where they have the cannons, right? The old guys with the cannons. They do. Yeah. They, yeah it'll they be nice to see those guys. In the Revolutionary again. war garb. And yeah. I, I think that's a cool thing. I like, I like, uh, wonky little traditions like that. Good on them. And, uh, I think that will be, uh, I think that'll be a fun game. Lots to see and, and watch. We'll watch to see if, uh, CJ Stroud is back. And if so, how he looks, how Greg Schiano makes his life uh, miserable or not, and whether or not Ohio State's defense can put the brakes on a middling Rutgers offense. All that and more we'll be talking about it this time next week. Until then, I'm Andy. I'm Johnny. Thanks for joining us on the 11 Dubcast.